Being Reasonable comes to you from the WHUP studios in downtown Hillsborough, North Carolina. Fasten your I'm Mark Solomon, and you are taking part in Being Reasonable, the weekly conversation show that focuses on how we've arrived on our steadfast views and our desire to know what is true. To participate in this friendly collaboration, all you need is respectfulness and an honest interest in the truth. We can all improve the way we form and consider our beliefs. And we can do so by being reasonable. One, two. On this week's show, we first speak with Dr. David Remington, a geneticist in the area of evolutionary biology from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. He is here to discuss how he assimilates and reconciles his scientific endeavors with his Christian faith. During the second half of the show, we speak with Stephanie Burst as she considers the power of astrology as a tool for examining one's life. But first up, Dr. David Remington, a geneticist in the area of evolutionary biology from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. Hi, David. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you. Do you happen to have a belief you wish to discuss? Yeah, I guess it's sort of a twofold thing that I'd like to talk about. First of all, I'm a scientist and teacher in evolutionary biology. I do research in that area. And I'm also very much a practicing Christian, which is, and in a lot of people's minds, that. Uh, Evolutionary biologist is probably just about the worst thing a Christian could ever be. Got involved in uh, helping lead a series of discussions at our church recently on science and faith, and got me to thinking a little bit more about how these things intersect in my own life. So, how does one hold evolutionary biology and a religious tradition together? Well, for me, I... I just see those as dealing with two totally different things. Science is about uh, you know, systematically trying to understand how nature operates. And and I'm quite confident that there are natural processes that, uh, that explain pretty much everything we see in nature, including a lot of aspects of human nature and, of course, human origins. I see my faith as being uh, about calling. For me, faith isn't, religion isn't an alternative explanation for why things in the world are what they are, but it's about what our life is about, what our commitments are, what our calling is. So I see those as two things that are, that are side by side in, in reality as I see it. Trying to understand the belief you're presenting, I'm just trying to encapsulate it. Is the belief what you are presenting evolutionary biology or science and religion go together because they answer different questions or they work in different manners? Yeah, they, they answer different kinds of questions, I think. I don't know if I look at 
at religion so much in terms of answering questions, but being about about who we are, who we're called to be as people and and as a society. It's something that's that's outside of empirically trying to understand what's going on in nature. Why are those questions outside of science? Well, I think, I mean, if you look at the decisions we make in life about the things that are important to us, uh, where we're going to go to school, what we're going to do for, for a career, who we're going to marry, whether or not we're going to have children, to the extent we make decisions on that, uh, there's not a lot of a lot of empirical logic that goes into that. It's just who we are and how life unfolds. Actually, you know, looking back on from when I was a kid, the Star Trek series, uh, I think a lot of the point there was a mythological explanation of of who we are as humans and how we're not Mr. Spock. We're not Vulcans who do everything based on logic, but uh, but there's some other complementary side to what it is to be human. How do we know this? I don't know if I describe it as knowing things. I mean, I think science is about knowledge, gaining knowledge and understanding how sure we are about certain things that we've studied, trying to get to more to more certainty on how things work. I think a lot of times faith is what grabs us. I, I hate to use the word resonate because I think it's suddenly become overused in society, but uh, but perhaps it is the things that resonate with us, What uh, the things that make sense, that define who we see ourselves as people, how, how we look at society, uh, what our dreams are for, for the part of the world we shape. I guess maybe where I'm confused a little bit is that science is just a means of investigation. It's just a way of assessing aspects of the world and whether they conform to reality. Why would the other questions necessarily fall out of that way of reasoning? I don't know if I'm trying to say they're they're totally separate. I mean, I think what I talked about in this series we did for our church, at some point, and there are scientists trying to do this, understand what the neurochemical basis is for the emotions we have, why, you know, for what love is, and what's going on biochemically, and what things in our evolutionary history have shaped that. We, we might find those things, certainly confident that those explanations at least exist, some will be harder to find than others. But but if we find those things, it isn't going to take away our need for purposefulness in our life, our need for conviction, our need to sense that that we have a reason for being here. But I see but I see my faith as something that speaks to my responsibilities as a person and to who I am in a way that is not terribly informed by my science. You're saying that faith is answering questions of meaning and purpose. Isn't there an unquestioned assumption that there is a reason and purpose? Yes, certainly. I think that's the point of faith, is is taking that need and saying there's something 
higher something beyond us that brings that to us. I mean, the reason I'm a Christian is, frankly, because I I find the perspective Jesus offers on who God is, who we are, what God is like, to, to be just extremely compelling for me. And that's something that came to me pretty much outside of science. It was something that just spoke to me. It started when I was a teenager, that I realized I was somebody who needed to be forgiven for things I had done. I needed to be accepted for who I was. I needed, ultimately came around to seeing the point of my life, really, to show those same characteristics to others. So it seems like these beliefs in your faith have had positive effects in your life. Is it possible to gain a benefit from a belief, even if that belief doesn't happen to be true? That's a good question. You know, I think back to what the Apostle Paul said in, in talking about the resurrection, that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead and that doesn't say anything about our fate, then we're of all people the most to be pitied because our faith hangs on something that, that isn't true. And as much as I would normally agree that, yeah, this is not a matter of, of proof, there's something very compelling about it. Look at the origins of my faith. It's in people that were convinced of something they experienced of Jesus that really went and changed the world based on that, not out of zealotry, not out of fanaticism, but out of just this joyous conviction that uh, they'd met Jesus, that Jesus was still present with them and giving them great power to, to love people and reach out to people and build a society with people who were very different from themselves. Oh, so I understand this is very compelling for you. This belief seems to be a bedrock from how you function in this world. But if you were wrong about this belief, how would you know it? I probably wouldn't. And, I mean, if I were asked to, to rate my certainty of, of this, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have a hard time doing it pastor I once knew, uh, once said in a sermon that the, the opposite of faith isn't doubt, the opposite of faith is certainty. So in a sense, in that empirical sense, it really is something, it's just on a different dimension than, than something that we can see as empirical fact, as empirical truth. That, that yeah, I don't know, I never will know if there, if there is something beyond this life when I die, or if eternity is uh, when we're about to pass away and we look back on our lives, we see that we left things better than we found them, we did some good in the world, we experienced forgiveness for the things we did that were bad in the world, we were gracious toward others. Those things are important to me. And I think, and they, and I believe they stem from my faith. You said that you're not entirely sure how confident you are of this belief, but a related question might be, how important is truth to you? So the word truth is an interesting word, especially in this day and age. So there's truth. Well, how important is it in believing in things that are true? 
So in the sense of belief, you know, so that's sort of this capital T truth that's, again, to me, it's in a little bit different dimension than something that's, that, that we're empirically very confident of. A lot of the things I do in my research, uh, the, the reality of evolutionary explanations for how we got here, I would say is at that level of certainty. I think the kind of truth that's related to faith is, uh, is capital T truth isn't so much about empirical certainty, but it's, it's about conviction. It's about what we find to be important for us as people. Well, don't truths need to be factually accurate to be truths? Well, it depends on which type of truth it is. I mean, I think if, if a politician wants to get up and say that uh, this happened, I did this, we should expect them to be telling us things that are factually true. And if I dare say we seem to have gotten away from that these days, uh, people seem to think they can have their own facts. I think those kinds of things, we should, we should pursue the truth. Maybe I'm confused about what you mean as truth then. So on the faith side of things, I think truth, it's things that we find compelling that shape how we live, that shape how we look at society, shape our motivations. Truth is something that, uh, that I think draws us toward a higher calling in our lives. Let's say someone is sitting next to you and his name is Jimmy. Jimmy practices voodoo. And Jimmy says, I believe in voodoo. I find voodoo compelling in the sense that there's a truth to voodoo, a compelling truth, the way I think you're describing it. And I believe that by putting pins in dolls, I'm just trying to think of an example, that I can learn to be a better person, to leave this place better than I found it. How could we distinguish between Jimmy's belief and voodoo, if that's the case, between your belief. As a professor, I have a lot of conversations with students coming and sitting in my office the way we're sitting together here and hearing a lot of stories. And uh, I, can, I can picture Jimmy in that sense, and I would be uh, very interested in hearing what, what he had to say, kind of understanding if there are some commonalities in how we look at things uh, what our values are, what things are important to us. And uh, I had a rather long conversation yesterday with a student who, who's Muslim, and I, a woman who wears a headscarf and family came from Pakistan. And uh, we ended up talking a lot about religion and kind of the things we had in common. And... Uh, one thing I think we both shared is sometimes we feel a lot more in common with people who have totally different religions but derive the same sort of personal motivations out of that, to step outside their comfort zone, to have compassion for one another, to listen to one another, uh, versus people who share our own faith but really seem to, to draw some really different priorities out of it. Could, could someone have no religion and no belief in God and still have those values? 
Yeah, certainly I believe so. I know people who are, uh, I don't know how to put it, devout atheists, and I appreciate their honesty about it. I can very much appreciate where they're coming from, and I'm interested in, okay, what their motivations are. And a lot of times I hear them saying, I don't need a religion to tell me we need to seek a more just society. And I would feel like I have a lot in, in common with them. And again, going back to my understanding of Jesus, he was always in trouble with the religious people around him because he was willing to accept the fact that, uh, that people who weren't Jewish, that people from different cultures, people who didn't believe what, what he and his countrymen believed, that we're doing the right thing, that we're compassionate toward others. I think of the Good Samaritan, that they were a lot closer to the truth than religious people who were uh, using their faith mostly to put down others who weren't like them. But if there are those who don't have any faith, have values that you have expressed, and there are people who have faith who have these values that you express, what is the point of the faith? I think, the, I mean, for me, I, th I think the point of the faith is it uh, gives me a broader perspective that can embrace people that come from all these different perspectives. It's not to say whether I'm right versus, and that they're wrong. Uh, it gives me a framework for for looking at the commonality I might have with those people, for trying to to develop those bridges. How does faith give that to you? Where's that coming I guess, from? I guess for me it comes it to for me it comes from the way I, I perceive Jesus. And, and where does your conception of Jesus come from? I think, yeah, from doing a lot of reading of the Bible, hearing it proclaimed, hearing Christianity from a bunch of different perspectives, kind of weighing those. And In your study of the Bible, do you come across things that you don't agree with as well? Yes, a particular part of the faith tradition I'm part of takes the Bible very seriously, but doesn't necessarily take it as something that God dictated and this is the truth but it comes more out of people, the experience of the people who wrote that, their perceptions of, of God. There are some parts of that that I find very disturbing. Uh, the people of Israel coming out of slavery and then uh, basically suggestion is practice genocide on the Canaanites that were living in the land. I find that disturbing. I find the passages that call for stoning homosexuals very disturbing. If there are passages in the Bible that are that seem to be forming your beliefs, and some you agree with and others you don't, how are you deciding which passages to follow and keep and which to set aside? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I know there are some Christians who would criticize everything I'm saying about that for exactly that reason. If you don't take the whole Bible as being inerrant, then you're the one that's deciding. You're making yourself God. But we're also told that God made us in God's likeness, which a lot of that has to do with having a mind. 
being able to perceive right and wrong. I guess maybe where I'm a little confused, and you can help me here, is that I think you're telling me that your faith ultimately stems from the Bible, and there are certain things you agree about the Bible and certain things you don't. And the reason why you can do that is because of your religious tradition, which stems from the Bible. See what I'm saying? See, I'm this being is taught logical. It's, it's, yeah. it's, I think in areas of faith, it's, it's maybe a little bit hard not to be a little bit circular in our thinking, that uh, there's some internally consistent thing that we find is compelling. We can't necessarily go far outside of that for, for proof of it. You know, if the criticism is we take that I would take the things out of the Bible I like that fit my presuppositions, that make me comfortable, and reject the things that make me uncomfortable, some of the things I find most compelling are things that really make me very uncomfortable as a person. I've, I've been having to, to deal as a executor of my parents' estate here and including what I'm going to do with my, my share of that, and which inevitably comes down to questions of investments and so on. And my faith makes me a little bit uncomfortable about that. Uh, do I let some of my money be in places that I really don't know what these companies are doing? Does it fit my values? Isn't it possible to believe in this and it affect your life in a positive way and you make good decisions and decisions that are right for the world and decisions that are right for your family, yet that belief still not be a true belief. So when you say true, I presume you mean in the sense of something that's factually true. That Are there false truths? Again, I think it's a question of, of the context in which we're talking about truth. Isn't that sort of truth presumably attempting to get to something that is true, something that is corresponds with reality? has something to do with the real world. I think I could say that the the perspective on society that I see my faith calling me to is one where we we look after one another, where people have a chance to rise above their circumstances they were born into. Maybe I'm getting the sense that you are using the word truth as a substitute for preference like when you I say my tr like my preference is to act this way in the world my preference is to do this uh behavior as opposed to this behavior is that you know ultimately i think maybe maybe where i'm tying myself up in knots here is uh, i'm not one to to go around using the word truth a lot in that sense i don't go around telling people i think my religious perspective is a pursuit of of the truth, the the true God as opposed to false gods that other religions have or whatever. I guess all I'm saying or 
the questions are only indicating is that don't we just want to believe in things that are true? I guess I would say no. I don't. Uh, I don't think most of the things that motivate us as people are are factual. I don't like them to be counterfactual. The thing that we ended up talking about in the last part of our faith and science series at church was what we as people of faith, how we want to see science used in terms of public policy, that we want to see decisions made in a way that uh, accepts the things that are factual and that, that are that we are the things we are finding to be true, the, the knowledge that we gain by science, to use it in ways to make sure that we're totally taking those things into account when we make decisions. That those decisions we make are ultimately going to come out of our values. And the discussion really came around to we as people of faith need to try to bring those values to bear in both in terms of evaluating evidence in terms of making making those decisions and in terms of how our faith leads us to what those decisions should be in light of those those things. A final question. If your belief was wrong, would you want to know it? I c- Again, it comes back to the two aspects of wrong. There's this empirical scientific side. If there were something factually wrong where I'm living on some delusion, yeah, I... I would want to know that. If it were, if I came to the conclusion it was morally wrong, I would feel very sad that I'd spent all my life aiming for something different. Although at the same time, I would maybe be glad that for this process of maturity that we come out of the things that we ultimately found unsatisfactory came to things we found more so in fact i think i take that what i said just said back a little bit i mean there are things i regret about my attitudes earlier in life when some of my religion was a little bit more a little more zealotry to it i've come beyond that i i regret the points of view i had and some of the things i said to people at a time when I was much more dogmatic about my beliefs. I'm also glad, though, that I had those because it gives me a perspective. I can see another side to things, and I can see, I can understand more about where other people are coming from because of it. So I ultimately end up being glad for the things that I've decided were wrong in that more faith sense, that more values sense of things. And certainly part of my faith is recognizing that uh, at some point people are going to look back on our day and age and people of faith from, from our day and age asking how could people ever claim to have that kind of faith perspective and do those things. In our case, maybe it will be ruining the Earth's climate, but I also hope there will be 
grace for the decisions we made and that I can have grace toward the decisions other people make that might be different from mine. So, yes, I would like to know if the things I'm acting on now are are wrong in that sense, aren't doing the things I should be doing to try to make the world a better place. I hope I have a degree of humility about that, probably not nearly enough. You are listening to Being Reasonable on WHUP. Stephanie Burst discusses the power of astrology as a tool for examining one's life after this short break.
really believe in the power of astrology, um, especially as a tool for examining your life and trying to figure out um, what it is you want to do with your life or how to work through struggles. I think that it's a very powerful tool. On a scale from one to seven, how confident are you that your belief is true? I would have to say a seven because the details of my belief are um, kind of fluid with where I'm at in my life and what I'm trying to work through. It's not necessarily an overarching belief of, you know, I am a Taurus, therefore I am this person. It's more, I am a Taurus, how can I use those qualities every day in my life to fulfill my highest intention, really. On a scale from one to seven, how important is it to you in believing in things that are true? I think seven. Again, I feel strongly about that. Truth is one of the most powerful things that we have in our arsenal, no matter what the situation is. And so when you also have a strong belief in things that are true, I think that empowers you to really act out of authenticity. How do you know your belief is true? Because I believe it. I mean, to me, that's what faith is. I grew up very Catholic, um, and I'm grateful for that because it taught me a lot about um, faith and religion. And I think the most important lesson I got from it is that faith is that feeling when you believe something is true. So faith is that feeling when you believe something is true. Right. And, you know, if you don't believe it's true, then you probably don't really believe it. So that kind of goes hand in hand is that, you know, for a belief to be a valid one, you have to believe it's true, right? That's a great question. (laughs) Can we believe in things that are true? And can we believe in things that are not true? I guess I'm going back to a German philosophy class that I took at UNC where um, we kind of talked about the idea that if you believe it, it's true or it exists in some way. And so I think that truth can be different for everybody. Well, let's say I have this bowl of marble sitting on this desk over here, and there is either an even or odd number of marbles in that bowl. Can we agree that there is a truth to that regardless of whether we exist or not? I suppose you could, but That's where I like to delineate between what is true and what is truth. To me, when you're talking about truth with a capital T ending in a TH, that's more of a universal idea or spiritual belief or whatever kind of notion a person might have. Whereas when you're talking about something as literal as marbles in a bowl, it might be true that there's an even number or true that there's an odd number but that's not really one of those, you know, major questions we have in our lives. So maybe I think we're using that word a little bit differently. Maybe where I'm coming from is that do truths need to be factually accurate to be truths? I see. Um, and I don't, I don't think so. I think that while there are things in the world that are facts and that we can know for sure A lot of times, even our perception of what is factual is colored by our own thoughts and our own feelings about a subject. 
Um, and certainly you can... Even with that example of the marbles? Right. I mean, you can... It's hard to bring it down so literally, I suppose. But um, the idea being that I guess there are certain things in life that you can distill down to their absolute factual essence of whether it's true or not, but that I don't think it's the same as feeling like you need factual evidence of the power of astrology or the presence of God or climate change or whatever your belief system is honoring. I don't know. I guess it's a little bit different, and I don't know how to necessarily bring that into a cohesive idea. So the sense I get is that what you're relying on to know that it's true is personal experience. Yes. Is personal experience, is that a good way to know whether something is true? I think it's a good way to know what's true for you. I separate the word fact from the word truth. To me, those are two different things. And sometimes they overlap. Sometimes it is a fact that, you know, the sky is blue and there's truth to that. There's a universal understanding about that for most people. But something about the truth of believing in a higher power or a system of beliefs don't necessarily need to be factually represented in order for them to be true for a person. So when I said on a scale from one to seven, how important is it to you in believing in things that are true, you take that as meaning true to me and not necessarily meaning true as in factually true. Absolutely. I think if you ask the question how important it is for me to believe in something to know that it's factually true, I would say zero, really. I think that the power of belief doesn't have to be limited to what's factual, and sometimes that's for the worse, and sometimes that's okay, too. In the case of astrology, do we care whether it's factually correct? I don't, personally. And I think it depends on how you approach astrology. There are certainly a lot of people who use it um, very seriously as a predictive tool that can tell you so many things about your life, including when you're going to get in a car accident or when your grandmother's going to die. But that's not my personal experience with astrology. I use astrology more as a lens through which I can focus my own personal intention. And so for me, there's no, you know, oh, my grandmother's going to die January of 2020. It's more, how do I relate to a matriarch in my family? What will happen when we lose our matriarch? I can kind of look at my own planetary placements and see what help I might need to deal with that. And so for me, the truth in astrology, I think that's why it's so personal, is because you're coming from your own experience, which only you can really know, and you're relating it to your ideas and your thoughts and your emotions and how you can use those to develop as a person. So in that case, I think that facts are fairly irrelevant because we you know, even our own memories are faulty. We don't remember the facts of our own childhood correctly, oftentimes. And so it's more about the experience that you're coming from. 
So should one believe in something and derive benefit from that thing, even if that thing, that belief is false? I think that's, I mean, it's a tough question because certainly you could pull it to extremes that make that a very negative thing to do. But I think for most people, absolutely. You know, when I was 11 and Harry Potter came out, I believed in that so strongly. And for eight years, you know, those were important books to me that helped shape kind of how I was reacting to things and how I was dealing with, and it's obviously a totally fictional world, but my belief in the power of that story helped me through, you know, adolescence. Let's say I believe Frank Sinatra is a God, a literal God, right? It's, I believe it, it's true to me, it benefits my life. I don't care if it's factually correct or not, it's my truth. Is there a harm if we're all walking around with our own truths that don't map on to other people's truths? I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. I think if Frank Sinatra is your higher power, then that's awesome. It's good that you've found something to connect so strongly to. Um, Where it gets difficult is um, the question of whether there's any harm, because that's where we get into this difficulty of believing your own truth and doing what you think is right versus living in a society with specific constructs of behavior and expectations. And so it's hard to say for each individual, because obviously if you replace Frank Sinatra here with, you know, something like the Ku Klux Klan, that becomes problematic. What is astrology and how does it work? Ooh, That's probably a question for someone much more literate in astrology than I am. But at its very basis, astrology is studying the stars, not astronomy, which is the scientific study of stars, but it's more of a spiritual study of the stars. Um, There's an important belief within astrology that's simplified to be as above, so below. And the idea is that by studying the cosmos and specifically these narratives that are playing out in the cosmos, we can understand our own inner universe. And so you're using, you know, when you think of the zodiac signs, you have Leo, the lion, Taurus, the bull, you have all of these constellations kind of playing out epic battles and, um, It's not only a fascinating way just to stay connected to the idea that the universe is so huge and we are so tiny, which I think is a very important thing to understand, but to also think that, you know, these things are reflecting our own lives because we are the ones creating these stories. So therefore, our stories are reflected back to us. To recap what you're saying, and please tell me if I'm oversimplifying it, Astrology is the notion that's what's playing out in the heavens, i.e. space, Mm -hmm. is also reflective of what's happening internally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And it's certainly astrology as a philosophy is highly reliant on astronomy as a science because 
where we derive the meaning is from planetary position. So for example, with your birth chart or your natal chart in astrology, it's an image of the exact placement of the planets at the time of your birth specifically. And it's very unique to a person. Um, you know, really you would have to be born at the exact same moment in the exact same place as another person to have the same chart. And still it's going to be expressed in different ways for different people. Um, so you, we use those astronomical calculations to understand my sun was in Taurus, my moon was in Libra, cancer was on the horizon. Um, and then we take those larger ideas and we can pull the specifics into our own lives. Maybe explain to me how the initial conditions of my birth in terms of where planets and stars are affect who I am. The real question is why does it work? You know, why do these planets having particular positions at our birth make meaning onto our lives? And why is that? I have no idea. Um, I have just seen so many instances in my own life where it has been true for me. Why does it affect a person who has just been born yet does not affect that same person when that person is in the mother's womb. What about the womb is, a, is shielding them from the effects of the first initial conditions of astrology? That is a really interesting question. You know, why don't we do charts for conception rather than birth? And I guess that's probably a question for someone who understands the history of astrology a lot more than myself presumably from the little I know about it, is that people generally can have different personality types based on their zodiac sign or roughly the month or so when they were sure. born relative to the same people who were born in that month. Absolutely. So where that, I think, is most interesting, and this is the part where I, a lot of people get turned off to astrology because they read those two lines in the newspaper that give you some bogus idea of what your day is supposed to be like. And they think, I don't connect with that at all. Or they might know traits of a sign and think, well, this says I'm an Aries, I'm nothing like an Aries. And the complexity of it is, is that your sun sign is incredibly important, but it is also important to know your moon sign and your ascendant or your rising sign, especially. The placement of the rest of your planets is also very important. And things like how your planets are angled towards each other are also meaningful. Well, that's interesting. You're telling me how people who are born in different months and different times in different places can have possibly predictably different personalities. So wouldn't, in that case, we be able to bridge truth with fact? Couldn't we devise a test where we, let's say, didn't know somebody's astronomical sign and other information, yet we would be able to predict where they would fall? I certainly think that's possible. And I think that knowledgeable astrologers um, would be able to do something like that. Um, a lot of people seem to have a sense, and especially when you've been studying it for a long time, you know, they can kind of meet someone and guess their sun sign. And certainly if you were to go deeper, I think that would be possible, but it kind of depends on the strength of the belief 
in the astrologer? You know, is this a real belief or is this a professional gimmick? Would your belief in astrology, would it change if you were the only one who believed it? I don't think so. I think it would be a lot harder because I rely on people who believe strongly and understand it better for my information. You know, I do not know how to do the astronomical calculations to understand a birth chart. I know which resources I trust to create those. And even the interpretation, you know, I'm such a beginner. I'm such a newbie. And I really have had to use so many resources to get to this very base level. So if I was the only one who believed it, I, you know, I wouldn't have the research behind it to help me fully develop my ideas. So initially, this is not a nice thought, but if you were kidnapped, it gets better. If you were, if you were kidnapped and you were taken to an island and other people were kidnapped and they were put on this island as well, and you basically had to start over, there were no books, there were no uh, ways to retrieve information, no internet. You had to start from the beginning, you had to build a society. How would we be able to learn about astrology? How would we be able to recreate that? That's a good question. I guess, you know, the spark of Genesis would have to come from somewhere for that to be created. And if you had no historical recollection of what we already have for astrology, I suppose you might even not have the same constellations, the same zodiac. Does it have the same number of signs in it? Do we still have 12 calendar months or is it different now that we're on this island starting over? And, you know, are we even at a place where anybody has the time or ability to care about this? You know, are there 10 of us and we have to build all of our own shelters and hunt all of our own food and focus on the daily living of things or... And once that's done, right? I would want to know is if would astrology be created again in its similar form or would it be created at all or... I think that some version of astrology would be recreated. And I say that because, you know, forgive me, I don't know enough about the historical trade routes and how these things developed and when, but I just see that, you know... The Greeks had their own version of astrology. The Romans had versions of this. The Chinese have it. Indian culture has Vedic astrology, which is so much more detailed and intricate than Western astrology. So I think that it would be recreated. I don't know that it would look anything like what we have now or have had in the past, because I think it's dependent on the society's experience of the world at the time that it's created. Have you ever been taught something that? Not true. Absolutely. I went to public schools. <laughs> so the more I'm talking with you, and I think I get a better sense of where you're coming from, when I'm going down, I'm going down the floors, I'm getting to the pillars of this belief, which I try to do, often unsuccessfully. <laughs> am I sensing that we have a basic mistrust of information? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um I don't know. I don't know if studying journalism put that into me or if it was already there. And that's why I enjoyed journalism for as long as I did. In light of that, how do we make decisions really about anything? I mean, how do we know whether we should give our kids vaccinations or not? How do we know whether climate change is occurring or not? How can we rely on anything? Because anything can be true. I think that's a a big question and something that probably most people will spend their lives 
working towards consciously or not. I think the difference is some people just know that this is the case, whereas others take for granted that, you know, all of this information might be factual. But in essence, we're all just trying to make the best decisions based on the information out there. And so if your best decision comes from watching three different news outlets and reading two different papers and being involved politically and trying to make a difference that way, that's awesome. But if your truth comes from studying the stars to figure out what personality traits within you might be stronger and more able to conquer challenges in your life, then I think we're all working towards the same goal, just with different devices. At the beginning of our conversation, I asked you on a scale from one to seven, how confident are you in that your belief is true? I'm going to stick with a seven for me. I'm fully confident that my beliefs are 100% true for my own self. I also asked you on a scale from one to seven, how important is it to you in believing in things that are true? And I think you said a seven. Has that changed? I think so. I think that as we continued to ferret out the differences between true and truth and fact, really it's more, um, I don't care if what I believe is true or not, because I think it's so variable and I think it's beneficial to believe things that, you know, if you were to change the word true with possible, that also changes your perspective on, I think, what it's important to believe. From the WHUP studios in downtown Hillsborough, North Carolina, I'm Mark Solomon, and you've just listened to another episode of Being Reasonable. Questions? Thoughts? Connect with us at beingreasonableshow.com. See you next week.
something's better than nothing Cause something is what something is to be Guess it's better than something Something's better than nothing Cause nothing is what something is to be Guess it's better than something Something's better than nothing Something is what something is to be Guess it's better than something Something's better than nothing Cause something is what something is to be